Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be free of spoilers for future episodes, but full spoilers for previous episodes we have discussed on this podcast. I'm Jason, and even though I usually take a shower before coming over here to record an episode, I feel like I need to take another shower after watching this episode. Yes, and I'm Harrison, and I got very, very scared about where that sentence <laughs> I could was see going. it in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, tell me which episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel, Season 3, Episode 6. Billy, which is also the 50th overall episode Indeed. of Angel. We're just moving right along. Oh, yeah. um, this is the one with that toxic man. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> no. A different no, one. Uh, yes, we find... A literally toxic man. Yeah, yes. We find out um, the true danger of the person that Angel pulled out of that fire cell in hell. Um, Lila has probably one of the worst experiences of her life and it is not at the hands of angel and uh west decides to pull his best jack torrance in the hyperion yes uh billy was written by tim minear and jeffrey bell and was directed by david grossman and it originally aired on october 29th 2001 and appropriately like scary halloween like it's not a halloween episode scary without being a halloween episode i i'm not gonna lie i'm a little surprised that uh both main both credited writers and the director are men um but maybe that'll be something to talk about later on in the episode indeed we do (laughs) anyway i hit it Welcome to Booze and Buffy. Hi. Where we are not drinking wine for the first <laughs> time in like the season, maybe. I was half expecting <laughs> you to say we're not drinking red wine. I was gonna be like, yeah, we're going to white wine. <laughs> <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> we're having a nice rose. No, we are not having wine at all. Yeah. We have uh some cosmos. John's been in a in a cosmo kick recently. I think I've mentioned this before, but John gets into like like cocktail kicks it's like like you know i don't know like he'll see someone drinking something in some show and i'll be like "Ooh, that looks really good i'm good and he goes and buys the ingredients for it and then we're just like drinking old fashions for a while or that, like that legitimately happens to me every time i i watch mash and i immediately <laughs> like want to go for because you remember my big martini i kick do that I went on and you know i still i still have a martini every now oh, and yeah, again martinis are great yeah but we're, he's currently in a Cosmo phase. Um, <laughs> it's just a phase. He'll grow out of it. <laughs> um, he'll see someone having a Manhattan sometime soon. And I mean, it makes sense. It's like, you know, you, you're not buying the ingredients for cocktails for one. Like, you know, it takes a while to get through all the stuff. But um, so, yeah, we have we have Cosmos today. Um, and I... Have you ever had a Cosmo before? Or? You know, if I have, it's only been once or twice, and it was a while back. It's not It's not a drink I traditionally go for. I'm interested to see your thoughts. It, it's going to be a little on the sweeter side, like a tangy sweet. I mean, I saw that it had lime and cranberry juice in mm-hmm. it, so 
I like both of those things. And vodka. And you and love vodka. a vodka cranberry. Yeah, I do. It's like a gayer vodka cranberry. <laughs> which is already a pretty gay drink. I mean, there, there are people who have like uh, called me an honorary gay. Um, to, and, you know, I, I close out every single podcast episode saying, go be gay. So Listen, I, I, I did not call you an honorary gay. You know what I called you. What? I don't know. <laughs> what, what did you call me? I remember the time I called you Breeder. And yeah, that, that was, was the funniest thing ever. I remember you the laughed. The context was hilarious. And I just remember getting completely taken by surprise. I'm like, you know, there aren't too many things that, um, that gay men can call straight men that have, like, the power that a lot of things that straight men can call gay men. But Breeder's one of them. I just remember the look in your eyes of like, what just happened to me? How did, how... <laughs> um, it, it was all in fun. Oh, yeah. Um, we only call each other slurs and fun in jest. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. this has just already gotten off the rails. Uh, shall we have a toast, Jason? Sure. Um, here is to everyone who is constantly fighting for racial justice because... Recent events have shown us that it's still a long ways away. Yep. Cheers? Not cheers, but, you know. To everyone fighting the fight. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I kind of get a little bit more of the sour notes than, um, than the actual sweetness. I mean, there's sweetness there, but it really just kind of feels mostly sour. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you know, the like John John uh, juice those limes. So yeah, I did. <laughs> I was like, I was gonna say squeeze those limes. That sounded even worse. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of the whole process was when we were in the kitchen, and he was like, "Harrison, we washed the thing." And I was like, and he pointed to our the squeezer. Like, yeah, he pointed to our full sink. <laughs> Because, you know, just somehow every time I do dishes, there's somehow more dishes. Like, I don't understand how it works. That's called being alive. Ugh, gross. Hate it. Being alive. <laughs> this is like zero out of five would not recommend. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like pointing at this full sink going, we washed the thing. Like, Motherfucker. <laughs> Motherfucker. You got to be more specific. And then, yeah. And then it was the squeezer thing. I was like, the juicer? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> all right uh take this away all right um we're gonna start off with uh angel uh teaching cordelia um it what looked like to be um japanese uh sword fighting techniques just because those those blades looked katana-esque okay um and, i personally uh, couldn't say one way or the other because i'm just not well versed on that sort of stuff but sure like, it, it, they looked, and, you know, it may have just been, like, the practice blades that they were using, mm-hmm. um, but it did look like, um, and it did have, like, the fluid movements that are usually associated with, and, um, you know, in both kendo and in, like, uh, other, like, kind of Japanese sword fighting techniques, it's typically, like, the two hands on the single blade. Gotcha. Um, as opposed to, like, you know, fencing or something like that. I've recently been looking into, uh, well... Fencing and ken- and uh, kendo classes. Um, there's like one place to learn fencing in Louisville, and it's hella expensive. I was about to say it's probably not cheap. Yeah, um, 
But anyway, uh, Cordelia wants to be able to defend herself and try to, like, kill some bad guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And at first, it seems that Angel's holding back uh, because he says, um, like, this will give you enough time until... And Cordelia says, until what? Until the guy finally dies of old age or until you swoop in and save me? And, uh, and, you know, First Angel kind of takes offense at... Maybe not offense at it, but he's a little, like, concerned because oh, you don't think I would save you? And she's like, it's not about that. It's about um, it's about being able to defend myself. Yeah. And, you know... Also, what if you're the one I'm fighting? Yeah, like, that too. Uh, I, which is a nice little kind of snapshot of what this episode is about. Mm-hmm. There's a... I'm going to try to... I'm trying, gonna try to clock these as we get up to it. But they, the episode does a good job of sprinkling in some... Uh, some uh, some little microaggressions from the men towards the women um, before they even... They don't necessarily Billy. the result of Billy. Yeah, which is a smart thing to do. So here, his a little bit of condescent... Not, and like, it's not malicious. It, he doesn't mean anything by it when he's like, I will save you. But Cordy's right. Like, that's not the point. Like, of course she knows that Angel will do everything to protect her. There, there's no doubt in her mind of that, you know outside of an angelic situation but she should still be able to protect herself mm-hmm. and um so and i just also just i mean you know me i love any scene of cordy and angel bonding um yeah and, and this is and this is a good one yeah we, we've had a couple of uh good episodes already this season that um f- are really focusing in on the angel cordelia relationship mm-hmm. and what it's evolving into because one could say that there are some similarities between the exchanges that they have now versus like the exchanges that Angel have with Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, because because you know Angel and Buffy were both kind of in that same world, like fighting the good fight, mm-hmm. and they often train together. Yes, and Cordelia is. Um, they haven't done Tai Chi yet. No, but... no. Well, that's special. That's just for Buffy. Um... I only Tai Chi with blondes. <laughs> What's the... Um... Oh, I... That made me think... Like, when I said that's just for Buffy, that made me think of something where the... Oh, in Black Swan, when... Um... I think it's Mila Kunis is talking to uh, Natalie Portman and she's like, oh, is he going to start calling you princess? Which is what he called Winona Ryder's character. Mm-hmm. And Natalie Portman's like, oh no, you ne- that's just for Beth. I am really looking forward to uh, when we get to watch that for the movie club because I haven't seen it in a while. And I for- it's been so long, I forgot that Winona Ryder was in that movie. Oh, I mean, her part's really small, but it's, it's a fucking, she's amazing. Like she steals the screen when she's on it for like, Three scenes, I think. Um, I recently rewatched it. It was one of my monthathon movies this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're pairing. You're pairing it with the Red Shoes, right? Yes. Have you ever seen the Red Shoes? I haven't, but I uh, during the recent Criterion sale at Barnes and Noble, I picked up the 4K of it because nice. I heard um, a couple people that I really trust online said that uh, it it's quite possibly one of the best 4K releases ever. Nice. I've seen it once, and it's been like 10 years, but I really liked it. It's very heady, um, and, and it's a it's a really good pairing with Black Swan. I'm looking forward just to like, it. Even outside of the ballet connections. Mm-hmm. Like, it's also like psychological thriller, sort of. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Anyway. Um, but yes, but so Angel only Tai Chi is with Buffy. Yeah. Let's go to Wolfram and Hart. Uh, Lila. Um, for, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. We can't leave Angel and Cordy yet until we talk about how Cordy never forgets a routine. She was oh, part of the cheerleader right. three bad. years running. My bad. It's just like, it's one of those little details that's it's inconsequential, but it's very funny the way she turns it into like a cheer routine. And Angel's but, like, uh, Cordelia, the, I mean, you know, shaking a pom-pom's a lot different from, uh, from fighting. And then Cordy just completely pulls the whole, uh, technique that Angel's yeah. been teaching her on him. And he's like, go team. <laughs> and it makes sense. It makes sense for her character. And yes, cheerleading, while we, sometimes it gets a little bit stereotypical disparaging, like, it takes a lot of skill, a lot of hand-eye coordination, a lot of athleticism, Mm -hmm. a lot of the same skills that Angel's bringing to the table for the fighting side of things, so, I'm not gonna lie, um, I probably, I'm, I normally, like, wouldn't go into, like, a deep dive into a subject like this. Um, that I was unfamiliar with, but I wouldn't mind seeing like maybe a documentary or something that does a deep dive into the world of like professional cheerleading and just like what that track is. Because I know that, you know, that there's cheerleading college, you can get cheerleading scholarships. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, um, you have like these major sports teams that have like these professional cheerleaders. And I, and I'm kind of like, now that we're talking about it, I'm kind of interested in just what that dynamic is like. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you know, it seems like there's such a bigger... As with most sports and uh, as with most sports and activities, there's a bigger... It, it means so much more once you get out of the high school phase. Yeah. I mean, I would be, I would be shocked if there isn't some sort of documentary mm-hmm. on that subject. Because, like, yeah, because, like, because, you know, in high school... Whether you're doing a sport, uh, typically associated with sports, like um, I, I feel like you could do a sport just as like, oh, this is an extracurricular. Yeah. Um, but if you are doing that sport in college, and then um, like you have professional, you're you're setting your sights on like professional, the professional level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so. Uh, good job, Cordy. Learning the sword tricks. Love it. Now I want to watch Bring It On. Um, it's a good movie. Uh, so at Wolfram and Hart, uh, we see Billy again Billy. in Lila's office. And, Smug little fuck. Yeah, uh, he really is. And I love how, like, even though we don't see it at first, um, the Buffy wiki does refer to him as the misogynistic young man. That Angel freed from his cage in hell in order to save Cordelia. I really love. I love that because this episode is about as subtle as a pillowcase full of bricks. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying that as an insult. I actually, it's given the time that this came out, the subject matter kind of had to be mm-hmm. fairly obvious. And considering, I mean, we've made better strides, but considering that we're not. Do, still not doing great on this subject. Yeah, twenty odd, twenty two years later. Like, okay, fine, come at me, pillowcase, brick pillowcase. Um, but I like how the wiki is following. The, <laughs> it's like just like okay, we're just gonna say it. We're just gonna say mm-hmm. it. But yes, um, this is the uh, this is the naked man that uh, the the young naked man that Angel saved from the hell dimension. Uh, he fought Skip. And, Aww, uh, yeah. 
Remember Skip? We love uh, Skip. Remember non-toxic masculinity? Wait, wait, was it Skip or Kip? It was Skip. It was Skip, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and he, uh, and yeah, this was a, this was basically somebody that the powers that be wanted kept locked away, but you know, Angel had to get him free in order for Wolfram and Hart to release Cordelia from all the shit that evil Cal Penn was doing to her. Aww. And that was an episode of her a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and that's what you missed on Angel. Yes, um... And when Lila comes into her office, she sees that Billy is talking to Gavin. Gavin! Speaking of smug little fucks. I know, right? <laughs> like, um, I love I love when she says, like, why don't you go close an escrow or something? <laughs> is he, that just made me think of fucking, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, but Luke's brother-in-law on Gilmore Girls. When he's an escarot. I'm an escarot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, Jess's eventual stepdad. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. I'm an escarot. I'm an escarot. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> no, delivery is like just gold star. Um, anyway, Billy. So I'm going to say like Billy looks a bit like a discount discount store Chris O'Donnell. Okay. And, uh, and I only say that because uh, Billy's father walks in, or excuse me, his uncle walks in, who's Congressman Nathan Blim, who I mentioned to Harrison looks like a discount store Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, I, I'm gonna see if I if I know this actor. Justin Shilton is his name. This is Billy. This is Billy. Um, he's great in this episode. Like. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's very easy. It's very easy to like, you know, have mean feelings towards this character. That just means that, and this goes to like anybody who plays a villain well. If you can like make a villain that is very hateable, mm-hmm. you did that villain well. That's why I feel so bad for um, Jackie. Uh, uh, oh. God, the, the kid who played uh, Joffrey Baratheon. Oh, yeah, Jack Gleason. Is just Jack Gleason? Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, people... Like, he got so much hate because Bruce of, Bing. like, the things that his character did yeah. on the show. So, for doing, like, an amazing job of playing one of the most, like, despicable human beings in Westeros, like, he, he like... I think he, like, quit acting. And, I'm like, I feel really bad for him. I do. I think his quitting acting was unrelated to people being shitty to him. I think he was just kind of tired of it. Oh, okay. But, but still, I mean, that doesn't make it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, and so Billy is part of the Blim family, which, um, as uh, as Lila will later say, is the closest thing that America has to royalty. Mm-hmm. They're basically untouchable. The only way that the only thing that basically kept Billy locked up was the flaming cage in hell. Mm-hmm. And he's no longer in that. Yeah. She even mentions that even without Wolfram and Hart's resources, this kid's basically untouchable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that tells us a lot. Yeah, but he's been missing for three days. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Nathan's like, take him away. And, uh, and Lila's and uh, and uh, Nathan says, "Oh, thanks again for uh, finding finding him." And Gavin says, "Like, oh, we're happy to help." And 
I wrote down, Gavin is a lurker. Now, <laughs> have you seen that episode of Seinfeld? Um, where, um, no, but it's like, I know the context. It's like someone who like basically like... Yeah, Elaine's like... like yeah, ho- compliments. Uh, yeah. Elaine is like turning in, like anytime she goes to like her boss, Jay Peterman, to turn in like uh, a good piece of work, like it shows her like turning it into him and he's reading, he's like, oh, I'm... I'm ve- this is great work. I'm very proud of the both of you. And she turns around and there's just this guy standing behind her. <laughs> and, and she's like, this guy is a lurker. He's taking credit for all the things that... He gets half the credit for all the things that I'm doing 100% of the work for. And she eventually... And like he's always able to lurk up behind her because he doesn't make a single sound. <laughs> so she ends up like giving him Tic Tacs. So, so that way she hears like the rattling whenever he's whenever he's walking around the office and sneaking up behind her. Nice. But yeah, that's immediately what I thought of. Of course, Jason relates it back to Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, at this point, Lila's like, uh, Lila's like, you know, stop sniffing around my clients. Uh, if you if you do that again, we're gonna have problems. And then that's when Gavin. Like, just says, like, oh, you should, uh, maybe, like, you, uh, should shut your stupid mouth or whatever. Something like that. And, you know, it kind of takes Lila by surprise. Not the sentiment, but the fact that he's... The backbone. <laughs> like, not, no, not even that. The fact that he's, like, not even being, like, not being his normal charming self. Like, yeah. um, normally he has a witty retort. But, uh... And then, like, you know, Lila's about to say, like, you know, even Lindsay, like, was able to have a better comeback than that. But then, uh, Gavin starts brutally beating the shit out of yeah, her. Yeah, this is, like, rough to watch. Like, it is. Um, oh, I mean, a lot of this episode is, has, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, uh, when the credits rolled, I launched into a sing-songy little chant about how, like, dark and upsetting this episode was. Um, and yeah, there's a lot, like, it's... Yeah, and again, yeah. And like, and Billy can hear this, and but as he's walking away, he's smiling. So fuck. clearly, he's the person that did this. Well, fuck, little little zoom in on his fucking face before we go to credits. A little fuck. <laughs> Anything else you want to get out? Little fuck. Okay. <laughs> so um, Wes has invited everyone over uh, to his apartment for dinner. Um, and Fred is watching Gun and Angel play video games, which Gun is much better than Angel yes. at, which honestly is the least surprising thing in the world. So it, I couldn't quite tell. I think they were playing PlayStation. Okay, PlayStation. I was, yeah. I was gonna ask. So, listen, let's 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 do this. What are they playing? What do you think they're playing, Jason? Um, Two thousand one. So we're in the PS2 era. Okay. Uh, because I believe the PS2 came out in two thousand. Sure. Um, if there are any like video game nerds out there screaming at me, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, I could easily see it be a fighting game. That's what I was thinking. It felt yeah. like a fighting game. So um, possibly like a Tekken, okay, or uh, maybe even like a a later later Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Okay. Um, other than that, I'd say like uh, because it looked like they were going head to head. Yeah. Um, if I had to guess anything else, like maybe like a Medal of Honor or Call of Duty. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm trying to think if this is pre-Call of Duty or not. I don't, I don't think so. But... So, even more important question. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think 
that Wesley would just oh own gun, a gun brought this over. Well, here's the thing though: did Gun bring his own PlayStation, or did Wesley buy a PlayStation so that his best friend Gun could play video games when he comes to visit? No, I <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the finances that Angel Investigations has. <laughs> I I would say like if if Wes was going to buy a PlayStation which he wouldn't play, he'd put that in the Hyperion. All right, fair enough. So they could have fair a game enough. room in the Hyperion. Uh, listen, they've got a lot of rooms in that building yeah. that we see so many we, of this yeah. week. Yeah, there's some that are like that need that are a little dilapidated. <laughs> some that are a lot. Oh dilapidated. man, I, I haven't I haven't got to use the word dilapidated in a while. It's <laughs> a good word. It is. Makes me think of Alana Bloom in a. In the third season of Hannibal, where she's just what like... What doesn't make you think of a lot of them? Uh, <laughs> so she's just like, um, you know, well, now I get to use the word defenestration in everyday conversation, <laughs> so that's a plus. Um, and yeah, like, and while... Uh, and while uh, Fred is watching uh, Gun and Angel play video games, um, Cordelia realizes that... Uh, oh... Clearly, you're into Fred. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Clearly, Wes is into Fred. And uh, she's like, you know, maybe like a... And, you know, Wes at first kind of talks about like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be coupling. But uh, Cordy says like, you know, there's nobody else that can really relate to what we go through every day. So I mean, if you feel that way about her, you should just tell her. And, you know, start by, if you want alone time with her, don't invite all of us over. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, I... I, I I remember that. Like, I'm pretty sure I've done that before because you don't want it to seem awkward. Right. It's like, because, you know, if you just invite the one person over, then they, like, automatically assume it's a date. Might be a little, might freak them out a little bit. You invite everybody over, then also like, oh, it's just us hanging out. I may be talking to you more, but it's all us hanging out. You know, it's one of those things that as I've gotten older, I look back on, like, how I handled some of those, those types of situations as a young person. I'm like, and listen, I'm saying this from the perspective of having been in the same relationship for 11 years, but that, that sentence just aged me. Um, but like, I look back to like high school and like, hey man, I'd like I'd rather be in the same relationship for 11 years than yeah. the single guy that I am no, now. No, there's nothing wrong with being single. There's nothing wrong with it. I just prefer to be in your position. Fair but like the, the the maneuvering of it and the like the like the clandestine like oh I don't want to do all this when it's like looking back on it now I'm just like oh my god it is not that difficult to just say would you like to go on a date with me sometimes it is I, and I'm aware <laughs> that sometimes it is like I had to say that to somebody for a long time yes I do constantly <laughs> Jason you I, don't have a problem with it though he's like oh my god John let's go on a date let's go on a John, you're coming to see Halloween ends with me. I don't get, actually no. He, I never like forced him to come see Halloween ends with me. I offered to see if he wanted to come, and he actually was like, "Yeah, okay." Which was I was like, "Okay, you're growing personal growth from John." Mm -hmm. And yes, my standard of personal growth is he will watch more violent horror movies with me. But you know, that's just what I'm after. He, he has sat in for more movies than I ever would have thought he would have. Because, um, like, I remember when you told me that, like, uh, way back when, when we were watching Solve or Your Place, how that made him squeamish. Which, in all fairness, that would make a normal person squeamish. Yeah. But, Not uh, me. 
And I'm not a normal person. You're not. My um, favorite, speaking of Black Swan, was when I had him watch Black Swan with me. It was towards the beginning of our relationship. And I don't know, for whatever reason, my brain blocked out all of the body horror that's in that movie. There's a lot. And body horror is like, that's his big thing. Like, he can handle gore in, like, certain situations, but, like, body horror specifically. Yeah. He was, I was like, oh, it's like the psychological movie. And the scene where Natalie Portman's, like, peeling off her fingernails. Yeah. He was like, what the fuck, Harrison? What the fuck? And I was like, sorry. No, man, I I can relate to that, too, because, you know... You know, for me, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on the pod before, um, the horror that can really get to me is plausible things, like realistic things. I mean, you show me, like, I mean, Hereditary, well, Hereditary is just a damn good movie, Mm -hmm. um, and it did, like, freak me out at times, but it wasn't really necessarily, like, the Tony Collette, like... um, hanging from a corner in the, in the, like the the living room uh ceiling <laughs> it's um it's it's like the whole oh her hallucinating that she's like covering her son with uh with kerosene and lighting him on fire yeah um hereditary's awesome guys yeah. <laughs> uh but no it is like yeah like ghosts and even zombies and stuff that doesn't get to me yeah. but like the stuff that like you know diseases and uh you know like surgical horror and stuff like mm-hmm. that like eyes without a face man yeah that that yeah, messes me up a little bit that stuff gets to me and yeah. i totally get where john's coming yeah. from well it's, it's like, the realistic stuff the stuff that could actually happen exactly like i remember when we watched deadpool the, which is crazy over the top violence but because all the violence in that movie is crazy and over the top you know, someone getting their arm chopped off and gushing more blood than physically in the human body wasn't a problem for him. But near the end of the movie, when Marina Bakarin is in that, like, Oh, that glass, glass cage. And she has to grab onto the broken mm-hmm. glass to keep from falling. He couldn't watch that. Well, yeah, that, And it's that, just fair, because it's more visceral. It's yeah, more Yeah, that, that makes you wince. Yeah. At the very least, it makes you wince. Yes. Um, what were you talking about? Uh... While Cordelia is talking to uh, Wes, she has a vision. Um, a man is beating his wife to death in a convenience store. Um, everybody kind of jumps into action. They check and make sure that Cordy's okay. And then like, okay, what are we gonna, like, where do we need to go? And Cordy says, like, it doesn't matter. This happened a week ago. Mm-hmm. And this season's been doing this a lot of, like, kind of playing with Cordy's visions. And, like, obviously, like, that vision thing was its own situation. But, like... Um, it's getting a little more creative on it's, it's less of just like Cordy has vision now mission. Um, and I like that. Um, uh, Wes is able to get the information from a source in the police department. Um, not Kate, not Kate, uh, (laughs) that, um, (laughs) it would have been so funny if when the police showed up at Billy's house, if it was Kate. I legitimately was thinking the same thing when we were watching the episode. She's like, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back, motherfuckers. Like, oh, no. no, no. <laughs> we left We left Kate in a good place, I feel. Well, not really, but, like, she wasn't in a good place, but our opinion of her was in a better yeah. place where we left her. Let's leave her there. Um, yeah, and so they look through the information and find out that uh, man had no history of violence. And when he committed to the crime, 
he said that he was just trying to get her to listen to him and she wouldn't stop talking. Yeah. This makes me think of, I remember this came up in, um, when we did our episode on, um, uh, I only have eyes for you. Yeah. Back in the day. Um, and we talked about, that was pre COVID, pre COVID. Um, like, the, the janitor, I think it is, who, like, shoots the teacher and how, like, this man's life is fucking ruined over something that he had no control over. It was, you know, wasn't his fault. And, like, I feel so bad for this guy who murdered his wife. And it wasn't his fault. Like, it wasn't. Well, and, so you know, I'm actually just about to get into that because they say that, um, because they look at, like, pictures taken, still taken from the security tape. And Angel immediately recognizes Billy was in the store right before the attack happened, like 20 minutes before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Gunn and Wes immediately recognize him as well. And Corey's like, well, who is that? He's kind of cute. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't know. That's who he was reminding me of. Okay, it was bugging me. The guy from Halloween Ends. Oh, like the main, Corey. The main kid, Corey? Yeah. Kind of a similar like look, like remove Corey's glasses, and I was kind I of see that. Yeah. I was kind of getting that. I was like, he's he was reminding me of something of someone I've seen in something recently. Um, we just talked about Halloween and similar bad dude. Halloween. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, so Cordelia finds out the details that he's free, so that they could save Cord, mm-hmm. so that they could save Cordelia, and then there's this. Um, there's this great moment where Cordelia is basically saying that um, this is my fault. Like, the powers are showing me this vision because it's my fault that this guy's out. And um, Angel says, no, it's not your fault. You're not the one who freed him to go out, like, uh, freaking havoc. That was me. And he says... I'd do it but then again. He, and he says, yeah, one, he says, I'd do it again. Um... I do it again every time. Uh, but then he also says, "You, this is not your fault, and it's not my fault. I'm going to go see the person whose fault it actually is. And that is, that actually hits me a little harder than you'd think. Um, because it's so easy for us to always find some way to blame ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, even if like something is completely out of our control. And the the scene, the movie scene that always makes me think of this and always like gives me a little bit of comfort is in Batman Begins. We were just talking about Christopher <laughs> Nolan movies, but it's like um, it's right after uh, the funeral for Bruce's parents, mm-hmm. like when he's still a little kid, and um, the scene like breaks my heart every time um, when Alfred is like, "Oh, I've like I've made you your supper and everything," and um, you know Bruce doesn't say anything, and so like Alfred starts to walk away, and um, and then that's when like Bruce turns around and says like. Alfred, it's my fault. He like starts crying, saying like, "If I hadn't gotten scared," and I just love Michael Caine in this scene because mm-hmm. he like he immediately says the exact things that Bruce needs to hear. It's like, no, 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 it wasn't your fault. It was him, the man who killed his parents. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> I was recently told by somebody um, who because of like a uh, card game prompt was meant to be like completely honest with me and uh 
Um, and basically she had to like, kind of like, oh, what's the word? Like read somebody. Like she had to read like everybody in our group and say like one thing that I guess like meant to be like construed as a, t- a hard truth or whatever. Mm-hmm. When she talked to me, she said, Jason, you are way too hard on yourself. <laughs> I love how you're like just nodding in agreement. But yeah, I I can totally... It's definitely not something I've ever said to John. <laughs> like, Jason just really needs to stop being so hard on himself. <laughs> you guys talk about me when I'm not here? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> talk about all of our friends when they're not here. About how we love them and how we wish they weren't so hard on themselves. But yeah, it's... it's... I'm not a monster, okay? <laughs> I'm a monster. <laughs> yeah, it's something that's incredibly relatable for me because... Mm-hmm. Again, like, it's not Cordelia's fault that somebody attacked her. Mm-hmm. It's not Angel's fault that he had to choose between saving his friend's life or keeping this awful person in, in like, uh, in hell. Uh, especially, like, it's a person that he'd do anything for, which is what Cordelia is. Like, yeah. maybe if it was Wes, he'd leave him there. <laughs> nah, yeah. he'd, he'd save Wes. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it, it does boil down to Wolfram and Hart, and who better direct their rage at Wolfram and Hart than Lila Morgan is. Although, oof. Well, let's, yeah. Snaps to the fucking makeup department, because goddamn. Yeah. It's really, like, it, the, the comparison in my brain is, um, uh, fucking uh game of thrones when cersei has to do the walk where it's just like what a vile woman what a horrible heartless monster right and you watch her suffer through this agonizing sequence and like you feel bad for her and then of course she finishes it and she gets like wrapped up and she's just like i'm gonna fucking kill everyone and i'm like oh there she is okay i but like it is like i don't care how how evil this person is this is beyond the pale yeah and and it really does help that uh now you are just like you have an odd attraction to evil women yes um i'm gay okay um i'm sorry did you see the snl sketch uh the megan snl sketch with coley Feynman and aubrey plaza no um, it, first of all, very funny sketch, but there's a line where, cause like the sketch is like, it's a sequel to the movie and, um, and they're both playing the doll, but it was like, there is nothing like the announcer says like, there's nothing gays love more than an unhinged plastic woman. <laughs> I mean, from my experience of talking with gay people, that is like, that is, you are all about that. <laughs> Like, yes, Jean Grey! But, kill them all, girl! She killed James Marsden. Fuck. <laughs> that is, like, of the many things wrong with The no. Last Stand, that is probably the one that, like, I, I hate the most. Oh, yeah, he has, like, five minutes of screen time. And this mm. isn't even my love of James Marsden coming in. This is my way to waste a fucking character. And, like, I get it. He, was, he had very limited availability because he was filming superman returns but like also a bad choice um but anyway you're right though the the 
the, the two sides of my gay are clashing right now. But yeah, the but um, yeah, but I do think ever since Lindsay left and the onus of of uh, doing Wolfram and Hart's dirty work has fallen all on Lila. Yeah, that I mean, she's she is still a despicable woman. That vision thing showed us how oh. despicable of a person she is, and yet she's one of those villains that. Has layers, mm-hmm. kind of like how Lindsay had a bit of layer to him, but it's it's a different way. And yeah, because you know, and I love Gavin and all, but like he's really not much of a character. Yeah, Ga- yeah, Gavin is kind of just meant to almost be just a pain in yeah. <laughs> a pain in Lila's ass. Yeah, which he's uh, great at. Like, yeah, um, but yeah, and so you do kind of feel you do kind of feel bad for for Lila in this. Um, Angel kicks down her door. He can't come in, which Lila points out. It's like, yeah, I'd be be much more scared of you <laughs> if, <laughs> if you could. Uh, but um, Lila's drinking heavy, and um, yeah, uh, Billy can never be caught because he never lays a hand on the women he's responsible for hurting. He is able to bring out a, uh, a evil side in men, and. Uh, and also, Billy is able to avoid pretty much anything because he's extremely rich and powerfully connected, Pew. as we heard before. Um, and, uh, you know, at first, Angel's like, well, he did this to you. And and she's like, you know, I really don't care. That, like, I know that this, like, chivalric concern of yours is, like, in the wrong place because you have, you're one of the people that I definitely know wants to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do... This feels as a good place to put this in as, as any, because this is where she explains that it's like, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I want to make it clear, I'm actually not coming down on the concept of this episode. I, I think the idea of this guy who has, like, infectious misogyny is a very interesting concept, but um, I, 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 I quibble with the idea um, and I'm pretty sure it's here, where, Lynn's, where Lila explains that he brings out um, a, a primordial um, misogyny in men that exists in all of them because I just it well it's just like that's just not how that works. Like yeah. I think there's I think there's something interesting in the idea that all of the men in this episode, even heroic upright ones, are susceptible because. We live in a society that is misogynistic um, and racist and homophobic and, you know, all of the various isms and phobics. So we are all susceptible to them. We all have these unconscious biases that are, you know, we are responsible for unpacking and unlearning and all of that. So it's like, it's not the idea that every single man has some latent subconscious misogyny that bothers me. Because I do think that's true. I don't like the idea that it's presented. And once again, this is a 2023 perspective on a 2001 show. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I don't like the idea that it's something that's like ingrained in our DNA as opposed to something that's ingrained in our society. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Because if you look at it from a purely like, even though I've never taken anthropology, if you look at it from like an anthropological perspective, like a logical perspective... Mm-hmm. I mean, that would make no sense 
for men to be like biologically inclined to hurt women because you know in order for the species to survive one you have to reproduce with women and yeah. two you just have to be able to have like a community right like um and of course we're looking at this right now in a kind of binary fashion we understand that it's way more complicated than that yeah but, you know we, i am we, i'm like going in like as base terms as exactly. i can think of um so like i'm talking about like prehistoric humans <laughs> that like didn't have labels for uh for anything that all they had was oh you've got something that's different than me <laughs> but um the uh but yeah like it only makes sense that you would have to have some kind of amicability in order to fulfill the process of reproduction and to survive because um, that's the way that humans were able to survive in those early days. And honestly, frankly, how we're able to survive throughout history is to have Despite these communities. our best efforts. Yeah, is to have these communities. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I get where you're going with that, um, and I agree. Um, but it is, uh, I'm just going to point out the very obvious thing. Um, Lila... Um, basically tells Angel to stay away from Billy because he is her client still. Um, even after, like, she know even even though she knows that he's responsible for this ha- happening to her, mm-hmm. and it is very much a an allusion to hey, women constantly have to defend men's actions, mm-hmm. um, even when they are like the ones who are who are like the victims of it. Yeah. I mean, how many wives, how many people are in abusive relationships? And it's like, Oh no, no, he was just yeah. like, he was just upset because of something I did. Yeah. And like, you know, he's really, he's really a good guy. I mean, th- th- that's there. Like part I mean, of her livelihood depends on defending this man who is responsible for the senseless, horrible beating she took. And it's we, fucked we up. yeah, we've talked about like how there's very little subtlety in this, in this yeah. episode. So, it may be like almost pointless for me to point that out, but I did it anyway. Yeah. Also, I would just say from Lila's perspective, also probably pretty practical on her point on her part to be like, huh, maybe I shouldn't send the guy who has threatened to kill me on more than one occasion to the misogyny virus guy. It's also probably like <laughs> that's probably the reason why she's holed up in her in her apartment, the like the one place that he can't get into. Yeah. Um so Angel uh Angel West and Gunn uh go to the Blim estate and uh you know um Gunn and Wes are talking about like different ways they could get in. I think Gunn even suggests like dressing up as uh Dressing up as like housekeeping or whatever. <laughs> no security. Oh, security. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had a picture of Gun in a very sexy French maid outfit, and I'm not opposed. I, do, I don't hate it. And Wesley and Angel. <laughs> and then, like, of course, Angel just jumps over the massive gate. Doesn't even try to like open the gate for them or help them in. He oh just like God. he just goes for just it. Just goes like, and they're just like, okay, well, I guess we're here. Well, as we see. In this episode, both uh, Angel and Cordelia have, like, this personal stake in it. Because uh-huh. even though 
Angel has told Cordelia that it's not her fault. He also kind of like feels responsibility as well. Yeah. So, I love Cordy's just her agency in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It I also is. love that she's always like one step ahead of Angel. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, uh, Angel. Angel's not really trying to be covert because, you know, Billy looks at him just flat out sees him. And, uh, and so Angel, like, uh, busts through the window. He's <laughs> like, yeah, funny, I didn't need an invitation for this. <laughs> and, um, so Billy is not fully human. He says he's more human than Angel is. Yep. So, uh, take that as you will. The police do arrive, and Angel thinks, like, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna arrest me. They're gonna try. Um... <laughs> But yeah, but uh, Billy says, um, no, they're here to arrest me because he said exactly where uh, the body uh, will be found. Basically, the we skipped over it. Um, Angel found out, uh, or no, the, the taxi stuff is after this, isn't it? Or is it before? Like the woman in the taxi cab that the... The taxi's the... after. Okay, it's after. I think this is just unrelated. We don't really find out anything more about this okay. victim. Okay. Yeah, so it could just be a whole nother body. Um, and yeah, and, and uh, Billy does say that he has never hurt a woman. He just loves to watch. Ugh. Which kind of does explain his motivation for this episode, like throughout this episode. Like, because he could just leave. But he the fact that he, like, uh, he sets all of these murders into motion... It, he does it because he enjoys it. Yeah, which is so... Again, I need a shower after right. this episode. Um, but yeah, the um, and he touches one of the cops. It says, like, you don't need the cuffs, do you? And uh, he's like, I'll go quietly. It doesn't work out well for the cops. Um, is the cop that he touched, is that the same one who's like, who ends up beating up the the cop who's driving him yes okay uh yeah the uh billy's in the back of a cop car the car is being driven by a female police officer and uh the officer that billy touched is in the uh, passenger seat and he like gets mad immediately just saying like oh why'd you take this road she's like don't worry we'll get this don't worry you can't talk to me like that <laughs> and uh yeah this this is when the episode gets truly rough to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so... And so uh, he's just like, pull over, and then starts like beating this other cop up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is when it talks about like the primordial misogyny. Um, oh, and yeah, and it turns out the... Uh, I don't remember this from the episode, but it says like, she had to shoot... She had to shoot the other officer to protect herself. Yeah, it's a it's like a real quick snippet of dialogue when Angel shows up at the crime scene. Um, after that, Fred hears it on mm-hmm. the on the police report on the police scanner. Yeah. Um, oh, so, Fred. Yeah. So uh, Angel and Wes uh, decide to uh, follow that lead, and um, uh, he sees like a bloody handprint. And so Wes decides to uh, take a sample of that so that he can figure out possibly what kind of demon he is. Um, 
and you know it's like where do they keep like all it feels like they would need more equipment to do that than what we see in the hyperion yeah like it, <laughs> it seems like west would need like a whole lab um but yeah and so angel decides to track billy um and that's when he comes across uh there they show like a cab and like the the back window is bloodied up and uh two guys are talking about it and they say that um oh yeah it just like starts beating up this uh this woman and uh he's and angel's like uh or, or he started beating up this fair and he's like oh was it a woman he's like yeah she was probably asking for it though yeah and, oh boy so we'll clock that. I'm not even gonna call that one a microaggression. That was just, uh, <laughs> there's just a, there's yeah. nothing micro about that. Um, I and I meant to clock this earlier. Um, one that Wesley does to Cordy when he uh, when they have the crime scene photos for the the murder of the woman in the convenience store, he's like, "Oh, Cordy, you shouldn't look at those." Oh um, yeah, I forgot about and that. And it's like and like it's like once again, it's not malicious. He's not trying to be, but it's condescending she literally saw it in like four fucking k yeah <laughs> she, she she technically says um the power showed me the thx version yeah um so which just made me immediately think of the um but but yeah so it's like you know once again it's like this misogyny is not you know billy is bringing it out but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not and even you know, with 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 Wesley there, I don't even want to call that misogyny necessarily. That's almost a little bit too strong of a word. Um, but um, but you know, it's still sexism. It's still you know, Cordy's fragile female eyes can't see these things. It's weird that he would say that to Cordy and not Fred. It would have. The only reason that I could think of is that um, Wes is thinking about. Cordy, like in her vision so other than that like it it just seems weird yeah it it seems like it's only there for these like little aggressions i could see it as like a you know cordy you shouldn't have to see this because you've already seen it but at the same time i would honestly quite frankly i would still say that that's kind of condescending and patronizing it's like it's her fucking choice and her Mm. she's a grown-ass woman Mm -hmm. and by the way while we're talking about cordelia um, she's like stocking up on weapons. Yeah, fuck yeah, she is. Even though, uh, even though Angel's like told her like it's not your fault, like you're not responsible for this, she still had, she still has that response. She still takes that responsibility on her. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like this because it, like, like I said, she has a lot of agency, but we don't see her really like beating herself up over it. You know, she's like, I'm gonna take care of this. Because I, I do feel a certain level of responsibility, but at the same time, I'm not going to, like, I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to sit and brood about it, like a certain storm of <laughs> um, Fred, like, is like, oh, how can you go? And she's like, how can I not go? Because, like, you know, Fred's worried about, Fred's worried about her. Because, like, um, you know, Billy's powers may not affect her, but they can affect, like, any man around her. Yeah. And there are a lot of, like, asshole guys in the world. Um, but then Cordy goes to the same place that Angel went first, Lila's apartment. 
She can walk right in, though. She can't, and she does. And she does. And uh, do you want to talk about this scene? I feel like you want to talk about this oh, scene. Oh, I just... I'm sure I can. It's, um... I mean, listen. We've got two great characters. We've got two great actors playing these characters. Um, and yeah, I... They... Lin, Lindsay. Cordelia comes in. And she's basically like... You know, we're not friends. You know, we're not on the same fucking side. But, like... How can you not be pissed about what this man did to you? Like you're fucking... a bad bitch. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He he she refers to her as a vicious bitch. Um and then uses that as like a motivator of like, you know, you let him do this to you, you or not let him do this to you, but you know, you she's not doing anything about it after you're the fact. allowing this to persist. Yeah, exactly. You're allowing this to persist and she was like, and no one who takes on the label vicious bitch would ever do that. And um, it's like, I do appreciate when Lila is just like, I'm not Lindsay McDonald. I'm not going to like switch sides whenever it's convenient for me. <laughs> um, which Lindsay getting a lot of play in this episode. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's a great scene between these two characters who were so similar in a lot of ways and extremely polar opposites in a lot of ways. Um... But um, I, I love that it's like, because um, obviously it motivates Lila's actions at the end of the episode. Um, I mean, yeah. And I love you know, it. it's it's hard to watch this and not think of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. because Well, honestly, like the whole episode. But this scene specifically, because how, like the way that women have survived this shit for decades for centuries for millennia Mm -hmm. have been has been usually not from the support of men even like the good men out there but like the support of women yeah and because you know as me too brought to the forefront of you know public knowledge if one woman like if one woman comes forward the story with like a with a story of things that happened to her, you will find multitudes of women that have gone through something similar, mm-hmm. maybe even the exact same thing. Yeah, and so this is like, you know, uh, they'll fight over shoes, um, but Lila and Cordelia have this to like, you know, may not like each other, but yeah. we are, uh, we know that. We know that what's going down right now is bullshit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We are not friends. We are enemies, but we also are victims of the fucking patriarchy in our own separate ways. Goddamn patriarchy. And, you know, you say it's it's difficult to look at this without thinking of Me Too. It's also difficult to watch this episode without thinking about Joss Whedon. Yeah. And, you know, and that's something... And, you know, now that I'm... I'll be, I'll be totally honest, and I'm going to put the onus on me for this... I didn't think of it, and that's just my own privilege shining through. We should have had we should have had a woman come be on this episode with us. And in uh, in all fairness, I I did not remember what this episode was about, <laughs> and we also have like two episodes coming up that uh, will more than likely have guest stars. So sorry that this one <laughs> fell in the yeah. in the cracks. You know. It's yeah. If if I if I could do it again, 
I, you know, rewind, I'd say, yeah, let's bring up, but... I mean, don't be too hard on yourself because oh, I think we're I think we're putting what needs to be said. Oh yeah, in the I'm not gonna sit here and flagellate myself over it. It's it's an oversight, and I regret hey, that. You're but not responsible for that. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, um, to our uh, to our listeners who are women, um, chime in, please. I would love to hear your perspectives on on this episode on the subject. Um, you know, boozeandbuffy at gmail is our email address. Um, because, you know, we have our perspectives and that's the only perspective we can come from. Um, so if there's anything that you're like, wow, they completely missed, like dropped the ball on this or missed it. I want to hear that. I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm about that. Yeah. Um, also if you want to just tell me how cute I am. They, They don't know what you look like. Yeah, they can go to my Instagram. It's Harrison Alexander Kaufman. <laughs> Same for the end of the episode, asshole. <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of Instagram. So last in our last episode, listeners, if you listened, you might have heard Jason tell any porn accounts on Instagram to come follow me. Not it was like the next fucking day or something. <laughs> like literally I, I get followed on Instagram by a fucking porn account. <laughs> I like screenshot it and like send it to Jason. And I was like, motherfucker. I was, I was rolling laughing at that. <laughs> it was, that was so funny. I was like literally the day after the episode <laughs> dropped. Which, they were waiting. <laughs> which was like two days after we recorded because we're currently in like a in, like, recording on Wednesday nights, which is. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? Did someone like go out and listen to our episode and went, oh, I know what I'm gonna do? Like, it had no posts. So anyway. Oh man. Um I deeply dislike misogyny is what I'm saying. Um yeah. So Billy is like gone to this party with his that his cousin's throwing. Um, um his cousin played by Christopher Palala, who uh, will... I think he's more known for something else that I've not watched, but uh, he played Paul Ballard on Dollhouse. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, so it makes kind of, it makes kind of sense that like he's had some Connection involvement. Connection to the, to the mutant enemy world. Yeah. I was like, I, my brain went bad robot, and Girl. I was like, wrong. Girl. Bad robot Girl. is wrong. <laughs> Bad robot is lost in fringe and etc. Um, yeah. Uh, when Angel gets, it's so funny. Angel shows up to this to this uh, to this apartment where the party's happening. This is after um, this is after Billy has left, and Dylan opens. The, Dylan answers the door, and he's like, uh, "Hey, um, hey, I want to like, uh, is Billy here? He's like, oh, are you a friend of his? Like, no, honestly, I kind of want to kill him." And uh, he's like, oh, "All right, come on in." <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of all, the funniest moments of the whole damn episode. Already funny moment, but made even funnier once we learn what what his reaction actually why he had that reaction. Which is that Cordelia has already been there, yeah. and was like, "This melodramatic guy is gonna come by." <laughs> and, and, and yeah, like when Dylan tells. Uh, when Dylan tells Angel that that's what Cordelia said, Angel's like, she thinks I'm melodramatic? Like, and well, then does ju- something super melodramatic. It's like, well, you did just say that you were going to kill it. That's not melodramatic. That's, she was here? 
Um, by the way, it, it should be noted that Lila, one of the things that um, that Lila did mention, or that Cordelia mentioned to Lila, was that, you know, Angel's looking for him, and, uh, and Lila immediately thinks, like, oh, Angel came into contact with him? That's, that's weird, because, you know, sometimes his powers work immediately, sometimes it takes a while. So, throughout the rest of this episode, we're kind of, like, led to believe that Angel's slowly coming under the uh the influence mm-hmm. of billy um i have so, some thoughts yeah what I, I was just saying i have some thoughts about angel's reaction to billy's touch but mm-hmm. we'll get there yeah but uh so um the reason that billy showed up at uh at dylan's place in the in the very first place is that he um he was he was wanting money mm-hmm and you know, like Dylan's family knows how to deal how to deal with Billy. Don't touch him. Don't leave him alone with your girlfriend. This is that's two separate things, <laughs> but two very important things. Yeah, it's very. Um, I think one of the things this episode does well is build up a really strong mythology around Billy. In you know, just one 40 minute episode it, it does seem like between this and the fact that like so much importance was put on him that we didn't see in that vision thing mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they were like setting him up to be a fairly large character or if this was just meant to be an important episode i mean it is episode number 50 but um and it does have like a little bit of build up to it yeah but i mean it in the grand scheme of things, it's not, like, overall important to the story of the season. It's not. So... I... There's a part of me that wonders if it was just, like, someone had this idea for this story. And the idea for the story came early enough that they could... Work it into work the it, vision, thi- that yeah. vision thing. Um, because, honestly, it is... A lot of the strengths of this episode, I do feel, are coming from... Are things that are coming out of that vision thing... Angel and Cordelia's motivations, and even Lila's motivations, are all stemming from that episode. Um, like I don't feel like this episode was have as much of pack as much of a punch, for lack of a better term. I don't like that. But um, if we didn't have that setup in, in that vision thing, um, so I don't know. I just. I, I personally don't think it was ever intended to be any lo- anything more than, like, a quote-unquote monster of the week. I just think it's an exceptionally well-executed one. Yeah. The the writing in this, um, while it is, like, unsubtle as hell, it, I mean, it, this is a good, this is a yeah. good story. I, I, and I, like I said at the top, I don't think the unsubtleness, sometimes that yeah, can it, be a knock on something, and sometimes... Sometimes it's a pro, and I think here it's a pro, personally. Well, yeah, and I also think that, again, we're looking at it from a 2023 perspective. Mm-hmm. So this may seem just so much more obvious to us now than it would have in 2001. I don't know. I'd, well, I'd be interested on that perspective. Because when I was in, when, in 2001, I was nine, so I was not thinking too heavily about misogyny. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I was just actively engaging in it. But I'm kidding. I don't know. I think that that might not have been but a then, very funny um, joke. But then we go back to the Hyperion, and this is this is the um, horror part of the episode. I mean, snaps for Alexis because yeah, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. My body, I was so tense. Like, I don't think I could move during these scenes. 
Especially and the first one where he th- turns. There's so much to say about this because he um, he obviously like, and, and it's a great scene when he turns because at first, you know, they're looking at the microscope together and uh, Wes is like really happy that, you know, he has an intellectual to bounce ideas off of and Fred, mm-hmm. you already know that he like is attracted to her and um, it seems like, oh, this is like really great. But then, uh, but then, like, there is that turn. Um, and, boy, is it uncomfortable as hell. Um, and, oof. Um, and, obviously, like, the fact that it is Wesley, who mm-hmm. is the, apart from Fred, the, like, least confrontational of the... I almost said the Scoobies <laughs> of the Fang Gang. Um, it adds so much more emphasis to it. And again, like we we have talked about how starting at like the end of season two, we got a little bit more of like the darker Wesley. And even though this is like kind of an artificially darker Wesley, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily um, unindicative of where he's heading. Yeah, I don't know if unindicative is a word or not. I think non-indicative. Non-indicative. That's probably that's probably <laughs> closer to being a word than mine was. Um, but yes, he uh, so he ends up being infected by the blood sample that he took, and this leads him to saying absolutely nasty things to Fred. Horrible. Like, I mean, anything you could possibly think of for a man to say to a woman that is awful and classified as misogynistic, Wes says that to mm-hmm. Fred. Anything that's arable on, on a primetime yeah. network. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I'm, I yeah. just suddenly am imagining like the HBO version no, of this. And, no, 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 no. No, thank you. Um, yeah, he says like, oh, she's been dressing too provocatively. Which she's not. Um, like, yeah. At all. Um, and he talks about how like, oh, and then you like, you try to make us like fawn after you and then when you turn your backs you make fun of us um he slaps her oh uh fred um fred like uh fred like runs a fred like tries running out of the hyperion but wes like stops her hits her again and um says like one of the most horrific jokes in the history of the universe um the black eye joke the black eye joke yeah black eye yes let's <laughs> let's very clear yes. it, it's a it's not that type of bad it's a different type it's of bad you know it was i should say it was funny because that's what i always say it's funny and then i say but it's not funny but what when he started the that line i was just like i can't remember what the quote-unquote punch line is but oh i just know it's gonna be so horrible to hear and yeah, I was right. I, yep. It was it was pretty awful, and I don't think we need to repeat it here. We don't. Like. Um, but uh, yeah, as as Fred runs upstairs, um, Wes looks in the weapon cabinet, and of course, in true tribute to The Shining, he grabs an axe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you can just see Shelley Duvall running away from Jack Nicholson. I mean. You even have the hotel setting. Yeah. This is one of the best uses of the Hyperion set thus far. Um, I, I would say since Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? Mm-hmm. When it was introduced. Um, well, technically it was introduced in 
judgment for like a second but um i this whole sequence is i mean hats off to david grossman because it he the lighting is so good like it's just dark enough to be very scary but yeah, like I, we can still and understand like the, what's and going on i like on. these new sets that we have uh-huh. for the hyperion yeah we get so much like it, I mean, see, at the very least, we have that hallway. Yeah, yeah, we have we have a hallway and a stairwell that's probably being shot from different angles, but I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. But like, we we get a sense of it's the not as obvious go- as the train station that was clearly yes. the Hyperion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we get a sense of the scope of the Hyperion, and the um, quite frankly, the fact that the, so much of this building is unused mm-hmm. and like and quite run down. Um, yeah, like we've seen Fred's room. We've seen, obviously, the lobby. Have we ever seen Angel's room? I know we will see Angel's room, but I don't know if we've ever... Um, when, when he has uh, angry sex with Darla, right? Is that not at the Hyperion? Ooh, I can't remember. Like in Epiphany? I think... That's oh I can't remember because I'm like is that was that Darla coming to him or him coming to Darla? Well, Darla would have been at uh, Lindsay's apartment, so I doubt they would have gone there. Okay, okay, so it must have been yeah. So I think you're right, but but you know regardless, the scope of the Hyperion set being used has been relatively limited, which yeah. not shocking. Like that's ex- that shit's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but to see it used here so effectively, and, and it really is a combination of Alexis Denisov really flexing an, uh, an acting muscle we haven't seen him get to use on the show and doing it phenomenally. Um, Amy Acker, you know, playing a much more passive role as the quote-unquote victim, but still doing a phenomenal job. The set direct, uh, the set design and the direction, the lighting, the sound, it's just all of this coming together to this really beautiful horror movie, quote-unquote, like, set piece. Um, and then you just throw in this horrifying dialogue on top of it that is, I mean, I, I, I can't commend them. It's, it's so upsetting to watch, but it's really good. So how do you feel about Gunn being in these scenes? Cause I mean, you know, J. August Richards does as good of a job as he can, but it also kind of feels like Gunn was tacked on because there wasn't any other place for him to be. It's... Um, Gun does feel tacked on a bit because he, like he shows up and then like immediately succumbs to the immediately succumbs to it and is like almost immediately pacified by Fred. Yeah. So it it's not like we don't get anything new from it. We we maybe get like a little bit of a moment of hope for Fred, but then that's gone. Here's why I like that it's here. I do agree with you that it it it's all it's like. It all happened so fast. I do think it's important for Wesley that Gunn is also infected. Because just from a character perspective, if Gunn is the if Wesley is the only heroic character who is infected by this, even subconsciously, I think audiences might hold that against him. Fair enough. When both Gunn and Wesley are affected by it. I do think that helps ease the audience off of that, like, they couldn't help it sort of train. Mm -hmm. I also love 
for Gunn that the second he realizes that he is a danger to Fred... He does say to knock him out, um, yeah. get away. So, yeah, that, so it's that, just a nice character is, moment for Gunn. It's just like the, the fact that, that he does like just kind of show up out of nowhere. That <laughs> I think it's the showing up out of nowhere that is the problem. I think if you take a shot of him coming into the hotel, seeing the blood thing... And then hearing what's going on, I think that transition is a little smoother. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you're going to lose the the moment of, and I don't necessarily think this is a great loss. Um, I think it would still work. But, like, it's supposed to be qu- almost a, a twist that he touched the blood sample. Yeah. Um, so you do have that moment of, like, oh, good, she's safe. She's with gun. Oh, shit, she's not yeah. safe. She is now locked in a room with someone who doesn't want to harm her but will and also just i think j august richards is just so good as well as alexis denisoff mm-hmm. even though he doesn't get as much of it but in that transition between the two and that moment in the middle where he's fighting it it's yeah good. and uh you know uh gun does like realize oh no i i wes is infected with the blood the same blood that i touched um so uh, he starts to like kind of feel it coming over him, and he so he gives like Fred a chair leg to knock him out, and uh, and she eventually does. Um, again, we get like just great scene after scene of Wes like trying to get to Fred. Um, she hides. Um, he says like, "Oh, you, you know, you're really stupid. You, uh, you, you're so used to hiding in a cave that instead of like running outside where you're safe, you stay in like a deep dark place." He finds Fred eventually, and and Fred says, like, you're right, I do I do like uh, retreating dark places, but I also like building things. And then, let's do a Home Alone reference while yeah. we're at it. Um, she pulls a cord, and a uh, fire extinguisher comes and just whaps Res- Wesley right on the head. Yeah, and that's such a good detail of the, um, he, th- he thinks he's so much smarter than her, and yes, oh, I've got you figured out, because yeah, you'll try to hide in this and it's a, like an armoire that he thinks she's hiding in um and then when he opens it up there's a mirror on the door and she's great in shot it. yeah that's a great, great shot, shot. <laughs> but but we just know we already know that his logic his man logic is flawed because no her first instinct was not to hide she tried to get out of the hotel she that was her first thing she tried to do he just got to the door first and Slammed it on her. Here is more writing on the wall. A common form of misogyny is thinking that women are stupider than men. Yeah. Um, So I, yeah. Good. You Uh, know, insert uh, Lucille Bluth with her cupcake. Good for her. (laughs) (laughs) Cordelia um, finds Billy and he's waiting to get onto a private plane. Um, Cordelia tases him in the nuts. In the nuts! Uh, we should also mention that earlier during their chase scene, um, Wesley got a Fred knee to the nuts after also getting scratched by some nails. Yeah. So just like not a good episode for misogynist nuts. Yeah, well. <laughs> they never should be. Yeah. Um, and she is holding up a crossbow to, uh, to Billy's jugular. And, uh, you know... Billy says, like, oh, you're not going to do it. Um, before she gets the chance, that's when Angel shows up, and Billy touches him, and he's like, oh, attack Cordelia. 
And then he, um, it looks like he's about to give in, but then he's like, oh, he doesn't have any power over me, which surprises Billy. And uh, he starts, like, fighting him. Um, but Billy apparently also is able to, like, have super strength from the ground. Absorbs it from the Earth's core, I yeah. guess? And, I mean, um, sure. So Cordelia tries to get um, the crossbow back. Um, but before she can get a clear shot, uh, Billy is shot dead by Lila Morgan. And she doesn't stay to say anything. She just shoots him, walks away. Yeah. She doesn't need to say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to say here. Um, I'm glad it's Lila that kills him. It's the right call story-wise, I think. I wouldn't have hated if Cordelia killed him. I wouldn't have hated it if Cordelia had killed him. But then there's a lot of fallout from Cordelia taking a quote-unquote human life. That yeah, that's true. I well, don't think this is the right time for the show to be doing okay. that. So, you know, and sometimes I do think that, you know, the bad guy kills the villain is is a bit of a cop-out. Not but the fact case. that it's Lila, yeah. who was very personally victimized. If, if Lila had just showed up out of nowhere having not been... Like, if we had, not, if Lila had not been a victim of his, but it's, but had been won over by Cordelia's speech, I, I, that I would not have bought. I would not have bought Lila putting this guy down just for the sake of other women. I do buy Lila putting him down because she personally mm-hmm. cannot stand being victimized. Gotcha. That works for me as a character trait yeah. for her. Um, but I'm glad. It, regardless, I'm glad it was an angel. Because that would have yeah, been the honestly, wrong like, note. Yeah, honestly, like, it, it felt a little... It felt a little strange to um, to not have Angel be affected at all. I don't like that choice. Yeah, it's like... Because it kind of took away the moment from Cordelia. Mm-hmm. I don't like the choice that he wasn't affected. And I really don't like... Like, fine, if he, we're not going to have him be affected, let's just say it's because he's a vampire. I don't like the explanation that they kind of give that he's like it's not even really an explanation yeah which we which we get in this next scene where once again they are like running through forms with these uh i was gonna say that they're katanas if they're not um if if we have like a listener who's a uh who's an expert on swords let me know because i like swords too um (laughs) and let me know like what swords those are um but yeah uh Cordelia is kind of wondering, like, why he wasn't affected, and so he thinks, like, oh, um, well, he was bringing out, like, and again, we're talking about, like, that primordial hatred, but Angel says, like, oh, I lost it a long time ago, and he's like, I don't really get angry, and Cordelia's like, I mean, even when you're evil, and uh, he does say that, now this I do believe, like, Angelus never, never killed because of hatred, he just enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that I have no problem with. That yeah, track. Because literally the only time you really see Angelus angry um, is probably when he's fighting Buffy and becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at the very end of I Only Have Eyes for You, once again. That, well, that's true. And Which is, of course, a massive lead in to becoming, even though Go Fish exists. <laughs> um, it's my... my my problem isn't with that, because I do... that. Yeah, that tracks. The fact that Angel asserting that he's not... You know, he let go of anger is just bullshit. 
that vision thing like <laughs> is all about how yeah. like angry he is about what they've done to Cordelia. Like, fine, they don't want Angel to be infected by it, or they want him to be able to resist it. Like, whatever. I don't necessarily like it as a choice, but, you know, they're at the tail end of the episode. I, I respect that, like, we really just might not have time for it mm-hmm. in the narrative, but just say it's he's immune because he's a vampire. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I know that sounds lazy, but it's better than this kind of weird faux philosophical thing that makes no sense. But um, the real ending to our episode comes with a uh, comes with a scene where uh, Fred has shown up and is like knocking on Wesley's door, and uh, you can tell that Wesley has been like visibly shook by it, by that experience. And I totally get that. Yeah, who would I? I can I can relate on a less extreme uh, (laughs) note because. I've definitely had moments where uh, I can let um, I can end up saying or doing some things that I absolutely immediately regret and you know instead and like especially if I do that in front of like people that I care about or even just random people too um, my first instinct is to just like stay away from everybody Mm -hmm. and brood um (laughs) And just like, just kind of like be ashamed by myself. And I think there's a lot of things involved with like Wes in this. Um, obviously, you know, he was coming to terms with his feelings for Fred. All of that's like kind of, even though Fred is like trying to forgive him, saying like, hey, we all need the days off. Let's come back to work. We need you. Um, he still feels. He says, like, I don't know what kind of man I am. He's probably been, like, confronted with something that he uh, he didn't think that he was capable of. Mm-hmm. Something that we've never seen him do on the show before. And uh, also, who knows, like, how much of his father, like, factors into this as well. Yeah. We still haven't had that Wes Confronts His Father episode yet. Yeah. And we've... I mean, we've only had the vaguest of hints about his father, but... You know, doesn't sound like it's great. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, and Fred, like, leaves, but as she's leaving um, and Wes closes the door, she hears him crying. And, you know, this is, like, probably the thing. We haven't seen Wes shaken this bad before. Like, I mean, we've seen him shot uh, Mm -hmm. a couple times, actually. Um, But, yeah, we've never seen this sort of thing happen to him. Like, the closest I would say we've come to this is after faith tortured him and even that was something external yeah you know this is something you know fred does tell him you know it's not something you did it's something that was done to him which is true but once again we are we are dealing you know the prim- the stupid primordial shit aside like you know it is something that was in him was brought to the surface. And, you know, like, we, as we've seen in both his appearances in Buffy and in his, like, role in Angel, he um, he's one who prides himself on being in control mm-hmm. whenever he can, being calm, cool, collected, and that's why his turn was so frightening. Yeah. Um, we hear him say these things and do these things that... You know, we don't expect out of Wesley. Like, mm-hmm. it's believable that, you know, the muscle-like angel who 
we've seen Go Evil before. Yeah. And, um, you know, Gunn, who's very, like, aggressive when he's fighting, like, vampires and stuff. Like, if we see, like, these two strong guys do that turn, it's a little more, like, okay, this kind of makes sense that they yeah. would have, like, that in them. Because, you know, those guys both have, like, rage towards something. Yeah. But um, to see it from Wesley, that's, like, scary. And, yeah. I mean, you know, Wes didn't even think that he was capable of yeah. that. I do like that. You bring up a good point. They they almost take the stereotype and flip it on its head of, you know, Gunn is the most stereotypically, quote-unquote, aggressive of them. I keep saying quote-unquote this episode. It's like... Um, just but, say it, damn it. <laughs> um, you know, he's the tough one. He's, you know, he's more... Um, you know, he's more on the fighting side of this, of, of things. And yet he's the one who resists longer, um, the turn. And, um, whereas Wesley, it happens, Wesley's meeker. Wesley is soft-spoken. Wesley's British. Um, <laughs> but the turn is so ad- abrupt, so fast, and so, so, uh, just frightening yeah. like you know it like like fucking you know, it makes your skin crawl it makes your skin to crawl. hear him to hear this like delightful british voice that we've been listening to for um two seasons of angel and one season of buffy yeah just say these horrible nasty things yeah so you know hats hats off to literally everyone in this episode i, I yeah we you know we've got we we we're constantly complimenting this cast for good reasons, but um, this was a tough episode, and you know I think everyone brought their A game to it. Mm-hmm. You know, even Gunn, who had less to do than most of the rest of the yeah. cast, he shined. Jagger should shined in those in the scenes he had. Um, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm going. It's you know it's a, I think it's a really good episode. I think it's really strong. It's, I agree. It's not subtle at all. I also can see it from the other side. I can see people really hating this episode and really finding it preachy, maybe preachy or perhaps triggering. You know, I you know I I I I think obviously all those viewpoints are valid for me personally. Though I think it's really really strong. Um, I'm gonna give it. Um, Four bloody handprints out of five. Ooh. I'm also uh, landing on the four um, four doors with axes in them out of five. Yeah. God, uh, we talk about how long it took Wesley to break through that fucking door. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was really funny how like you talked about how sturdy it was, but then like as soon as he broke through, it's like almost half the doors down. Right. Um, yeah. No. This. Uh, I think this is an incredibly strong episode. Um, I'm I'm not triggered, uh, so I but I totally get that people would be. Yeah, um, and that's valid. Yeah, no, it it, it is. Um, I think this is, I think this is great. Um, I like that you pointed out the microaggressions because some I missed. Um, and yeah, it's not subtle, but then again, some things don't need to be subtle. Um, the only like kind of weakness in it comes from a little bit of the resolutions mm-hmm. um especially like the whole like angel not being affected by it yeah um 
but yeah, overall, just it, I mean, it got its point across. Yeah. Uh, very well. One thing, I, and you know, I'm I'm totally willing to eat my words if if I if the next episode I'm proven immediately wrong by this. I don't think that we ever see Lila face any repercussions at Wolfram and Hart over her actions in this episode. Um, which it just feels like a bit of an oversight. Um, unless she just plays full, I can do it. <laughs> it was Gavin. <laughs> it was Gavin. Um, so, but but otherwise, like that's not this episode's problem. That just mm-hmm. feels like some, a bit of a missed opportunity. But um, yeah, all right. Well, Harrison, take us out. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. Um, if you were wondering where was Don in uh, last week's Buffy episode outside of the opening scene, don't worry. Because we'll be back next week with Buffy Season 6, Episode 6, All the Way. All the way. Um, A Dawn-centric Halloween episode that we will watch. (laughs) And we will discuss. You know, it could be one of those those episodes that we have, like, that we gain a little bit more appreciation for just in the discussion part of it. It it, it could be. (laughs) Listen, I'm open to the possibility. <laughs> um, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij 357 Unless you're a porn account. <laughs> now I won't say it again. Please don't follow me if you're a porn account. <laughs> please, please follow other porn accounts. <laughs> yeah, make your own porn network. <laughs> uh, I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram if you're porn at Harrison Alexander Kaufman. <laughs> Or on Twitter, if you're Twitter porn, at Harrison Kaufman. That's out there, too. (laughs) That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. In all of those instances, the and is spelled out A-N-D. No ampersands for us. Mm -mm, Because some of the platforms wouldn't let us use them. (laughs) And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, appropriately, we're highlighting Women's Safe Incorporated. Women's Safe's mission is to provide emergency shelter and support services to survivors of domestic violence throughout Northeast Ohio. Okay, interesting uh, interesting uh, emphasis there. That's um, just what their website said. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, Women's Safe responds to the needs of survivors and provides education in the community aimed to reduce uh, the incidence of domestic violence and make the community aware of what help is available. Visit womensafe.org from www.womensafe.org for more information. Does anybody put the WWs anymore? I do. Oh man. Well, I guess it depends. I like I don't know. I can't remember the last time that I put <laughs> www on there. But their website is listed at www.womensafe.org. Um, yeah. And as always, go gay and be slay. <laughs> Thank you for going with that. It just it just happened in the moment. I was that's, really, that's why I'm here, man. I was really All right. Bye. Bye.